Hi, everybody. A quick message before we begin today's podcast. We have just released a free mini training called How to Work with Labor Pain to Have a Positive Birth Experience. Stay tuned for the end of the episode for more information. Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody, to uh, the podcast. Today on the episode, we're going to be talking about taking your birth back. My guest today is Katie. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really grateful that you reached out and we had a great chat and I'm really excited to dive into the topic today. But I figured let's start off with, um, you know, tell us about you and what got you interested in birth because I love hearing people's stories. Yeah. So, um, well, since I was a little kid, I knew one thing only, I wanted to be a mother. So um, I've always had an interest in moms and babies and birth and all that. Um, Fast forward, I um, became a body worker. And in that course of study, I um, learned craniosacral therapy, which has a lot to do with learning about how we are born and how the way that we are born affects all different parts of your physical body, your nervous system. Um, and in the birth psychology realm, it even uh, they even say it, it affects how you, who you are and how you are and how you interact and how you attach and all that. So I was super fascinated by that. Um, and I studied that in the mid 2000s, and then I became a mother myself. <laughs> and yep. then I got to put all of that theory and knowledge into real world practice, which was um, my first birth was a trial <laughs> by fire. It was um, definitely a very long, intense experience that left me. Um, having a lot of trauma imprints. My child uh, displayed a lot of trauma imprints as well. And so I got to put into practice where the rubber hits the road, um, the actual seeing how that actually comes out in our physiology, how it affected my my mood, my sleep, everything. So uh, then once I had that direct experience of a really challenging birth, then it's just been my passion since to support people to a not hopefully have that experience. So I do a lot of prenatal support, but also if you do have a traumatic experience, helping them to sift through all those pieces of um, how it's showing up in their mothering with their child in their bodies, in their physiology, in their nervous system, all of that. So that's a very condensed 
<laughs> micro version <laughs> of how I started uh, exploring birth. Okay. Yeah. It, you know, I, it's always interesting to just kind of see the evolution of people's like professional, but also personal experience and how, you know, that all kind of ties in. And, and it's just, it's, it's love. Like I, I find it love. Well, interesting in the sense that like oftentimes our personal experiences and our journeys to solve our own problems or, you know, barriers or blocks yeah. that that then turns into our motivations for helping <laughs> yeah. others. Uh-huh. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. we're, we're talking about taking your birth back and we're talking about, you know, as you mentioned, you, you sort of had an experience with your first and you started seeing it showing up in a multitude of different ways. Um, yeah. So can we talk about maybe starting the starting point being what does reclaiming your birth mean? Like what, what, what is that? Yeah. So um, I chose the word reclaim very specifically because um, from sitting with many, many mothers now over the years, a lot of times um, in their story, retelling of their story of their birth, there's like a moment where they're like, oh, I gave my power to this person, either this birth worker or their family, or they just stopped trusting themselves and the process. And a lot of times that is where the trauma starts to seep in. And so in my journey of healing, from having full-blown PTSD following the birth for about a year, um, I, I, it felt like a reclamation process for me of reclaiming the bits of the story, the bits of myself that sort of had gotten lost and fractured in that whole experience. And then who really had trouble coming back in so that I could feel healthy and centered and grounded and empowered as a mother. Um, So yeah, the reclaim is like calling back those pieces of yourself that got sort of fractured or disconnected in, in the birthing process. And I think it has a lot to do with also just moms, you know, prior to becoming a mom, you're who you are. And then there's a whole shift (laughs) that happens. And so I also feel like there's, there's something with the reclaiming that's bigger than just what happens in the birth, but like what pieces from your prior life do you want to carry forward with you as you keep going on your journey, your new journey as a mother? Yeah. I can, I'm, I'm, I'm nodding my head since you people cannot see me nodding my head because, um, it, really changes you and it challenges you in ways that you did not expect it was going to challenge you because there is there is something that happens in that transition where you 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 can't go back there is no going back there are parts of you that like and there's like a little bit of grief there too that nobody really talks about like there is a grieving process because you're kind of leaving behind 
you know, the maiden and, and, and the parts of you associated with that lifestyle pre-children. And yeah. now you're entering into, you know, the mother and mm-hmm. there's so many new and different things. And I found for myself, the real big question that I was asking myself or that was coming up is like, who am I? Who am I in all of this? Right. And who do I want to be? And I, I got to say that, you know, becoming a mother for me has also highlighted some things that were unresolved as well, because I think we carry these different, you know, chronic stressors or traumas with us throughout our you know, life. And they might we might be disconnected from them. And it was like in the process of becoming a mother, I could see that I was either behaving or reacting or something was off that I was like, I don't want it to be this way. And what do I do about it? For sure. All of that. (laughs) All of that. All of that. Yes. I'm nodding my head too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's like, okay. Yes. There's certainly experiences that are traumatic, you know, and, that can be on a massive scale from like really mild things to really big things like PTSD kind of things. Right. And there's like a spectrum. Do you working with the people you've worked with in your, in your personal experience, do, should we all be taking it like the opportunity post-birth to kind of reflect and, and reclaim our birth experience? Like, should there be a process? Like, why would it be important? for us to look at it? Sure. Um, Well, birth, like death, is a portal that we go through. It's a super intense rite of passage. Like there's only a few things that we go through in our lives that are that intense. Um, You know, sometimes a marriage, Entering into a partnership can be like that, a rite of passage. Um, sometimes a death or a move or a changing of career can be like that. But birth is one of those very potent, potent times um, in a person's life. And so I think there's always gems that can be mined from those potent times in our life that um if it didn't go well, like what are the lessons there? If it did go well, what are the things that did go well that I can carry as strengths and wisdom as I move into this next phase? And um, in every transition, there is joy and there is grief. So we're really good at the celebrating part in our modern Western culture. We're really good at celebrating with a lot of material, external rewards. Um, But the grief part, I feel like a lot of people, even if it's, you know, happy grief, happy grief, I'm saying in quotes, um, you just need to be with it. That tenderness, the, the sadness of letting go of something that was and moving into something that's new and unknown. And so, Yes, there are people who experience horribly physically traumatic, extremely scary 
um, near-death experiences while birthing for both them and their child. Uh, and then there's people who have wonderful, empowering birth experiences, but in that potent portal that is birth, there's always an opportunity to honor the story and really reflect on, you know, what, what came up for you during that process? How did you meet the challenges? What, what, what can you gleam as wisdom or knowledge or strength to carry forward? What story do you want to share with others from what you learned? So I think there's always an opportunity to, whether you identify class with the classic definition of trauma or whether you can just recognize that your birth was this potent time for you, there's always something to look back and reflect. And um, maybe you don't need to do a reclamation, but an honoring of the story is always, always available and wise. Yeah, I, I think also allowing some space um, for like the reintegration yes. yes, of the whole experience, right? Because, you know, it feels like just even me like attempting to reflect back, there are parts that are really kind of fuzzy and I don't really quite recall, remember. Mm -hmm. um, there are parts that I remember more succinctly. Um, and there's a lot of like hormonal changes and surges early yeah. postpartum like I remember and I and I kind of was expecting expecting I don't know if I created it or not but my mom was just like you know don't be surprised if like day two or three you just start crying for like literally no reason and like literally day two I'm like la 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 and then I'm like oh oh wait <laughs> and then it's just like like could not stop and it's and it was interesting because my you know my mom was on her way there uh, on the way to my house um and she's just like she just came and held me you know she just stayed present so I could feel all the feels knowing that like I'm gonna be okay but it's really important that I shed whatever that energy is you know, let it move through me and not get stuck, you know, in, sure. in my body. Right. So I, I, yeah. you know, I feel like when I think back to my anthropology studies and looking at different cultures, like, you know, there was a lot of support and a lot of like women, you know, around, you know, the mm -hmm. village was yep. there. And, and, and I think it was serving a really important role mm -hmm. for that person because of the potency of that, of that, you know, major rite of passage that there's sure. this period of integration and that, you know, having that support and those people to guide you through that also really changes the experience moving forward. Yeah. I mean, one of the way, one of the things we talk about with remediating trauma is just, and why like our circles work so well is a lot of trauma can be resolved just by having an empathetic witness, just by having your story seen, heard, you, you're gotten. Um, and I love that example you gave of, of your mom 
coming in and just allowing the feelings to come through and not trying to change them or do anything, but just being with them. And that is one of the key, key things um, that helps to release the trauma from our systems. It's not that we're not going to experience trauma. Trauma is like just a natural part of being human. Um, but having it get so stuck in our nervous systems and physiology, that's where we're kind of off with our Western culture and the way that we bury emotions and bury these feelings. Um, so just by like having your mom show up, that's, it's beautiful example of, um, and I, I believe indigenous cultures really knew how to meet the intense experiences with that natural holding of, of the person that went through it and um, allowing whatever needed to arise to come through. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, let's chat about what happens if, let's say, there is some some trauma, right? And there's various definitions of, of trauma, and I'm going to use it in the context of um, Dr. Gabor Mate's kind of like mm -hmm. definition of basically like, it's not the event, but it's like what happens inside. It's like, we sort of we go into a, a mode of protection and we become yeah. overwhelmed such that we feel like we can't complete the stress cycle in the way that we want to complete it. And therefore that physiology gets lodged or stuck. Okay. So I'm coming yeah. from it from that context. Cause I know yeah. the word trauma okay. kind of gets tossed around and, and it's very broad. Um, the other definition I love is Peter Levine's, which just yes. says anything that was too much, too fast or too soon for your system to catch up. I love, love, love that. Um, definition. Yeah. Peter Levine fan over here doing this training, <laughs> doing his training. So yeah, I'm super excited. Um, so I'm wondering like what happens if we just leave it unresolved? Like what if we, we don't do anything about it or we don't know it's there? Like how might these things show up? Right. For people? So now we're, now we're like swimming in the pool of triggers. <laughs> And triggers are funny because um, they show up everywhere. And the thing I'm going to say about triggers that my teacher always says that I love is that triggers are out of our conscious control. So let yourself off the hook. We all get triggered and you cannot control it because it's a part of your brain you don't have conscious control over. So let yourself off the hook. And triggers show up as all different ways that our nervous system is trying to protect itself and regulate itself. Um, some of, you know, I'm sure people have heard of fight, flight, freeze, and now they just added a fourth, which is called fawn, which we'll get into. But um, some of the common, um, some of the common ways that fight, flight, and freeze show up are like, fight would be getting super ang like uncharacteristically angry or agitated or short or curt about about things like really just 
like more anger than you're used to about small and uncommon things. That can be the sign of a, tr a, a fight trigger. Um, flight can be like, you literally need to like get out of somewhere. Like, or it can show up like you don't leave, but you completely space out. Like you're gone, like you're disconnected, you're daydreaming. You're not really, your, your body is physically there, but you are not really present. So that can be a common flight response. Also, funny enough, overworking can be a flight response. Busy. Where it's like you're too busy. And this is like a major addiction in our culture that we get rewarded for. So just watch that one, moms, because that one is a huge one. And um, it's like, oh, I'm too busy to sit and be present with my child. I'm too busy to sit and like, be with these feelings. Oh, I feel uncomfortable. Oh, I better quick start cleaning something. Um, and then freeze, freeze is just literally like you, you can't respond. You're just completely shut down. You're withdrawn. I you, give up. Yeah. It's like an, I give up state. It's, you know, you're just, that's when your nervous system just needs to downregulate so much that you you just can't do anything. So that can show up in the more like depressive, wanting to sleep all the time, getting super tired when you've had enough rest, that kind of thing. And then fawning is interesting because fawning is like over caring, overdoing for others. Um, people often, pleasing. People pleasing. Often when there's a conflict arising, like, oh, this person's going to get upset with me. So I'm going to start over compromising or violating like my own boundaries. Like, oh, I need to eat, but I'm going to make sure everyone else eats first in order to make sure everyone else is happy to so avoid feel uncomfortable. Yeah. To yeah. avoid the conflict or the feelings. Avoid the feelings that are coming up in the trigger, which is usually like vulnerability, sadness. Sometimes it is like an unconscious triggering of the actual event, feeling out of control. Um, so yeah, those are just like some examples of that are more practical because once people start to connect to, oh, there is trauma showing up in my life because I do do some of these things. Then it's like you can respond more skillfully. You can have more compassion for yourself and the others around you who are also triggered. Um, so yeah, then you can start to get some skill with it and start to shift it and move it. Yeah, and I think um, using, like I think those were really good, like, practical examples of how yeah. it may uh, show up. And uh, like, I can say for myself, like, as you're going through this, I'm like, yep, been there. Oh, yep. I've, I've had that one. And like, oh, I've had that one. And Peter, I think it was Peter Levine, because I have a bunch of quotes up in my up in my brain right now, you know, saying like trauma is trauma is a fact of life, just like pain yeah. is a fact mm -hmm. of life, like yeah. we're going to experience these things. And you know, most people associate trauma with like the big T's. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Everybody right. thinks about the, I don't have any of the big T's. Right. You know? Like I was never in a plane crash. I didn't go to war. I didn't endure like constant violence in my home as a child. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. So then we don't, you know, because we think of like the big T's um, and it wasn't until I started learning from Peter Levine of like, you know, he had a list in one of his online courses of like yeah. dental procedure. I was like, yeah. oh my God, yeah. I've had trauma there. And like, you know, a, 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 a surgical procedure. And then I was like, oh my God, that is, I had a bad experience with a surgical procedure. And like from there, you know, things spiraled out and I, and I couldn't figure out because I was like, well, I don't have any trauma. Like I went to my therapist and I'm like, I don't know what my trauma is. Can we please figure it out? Did I like bury it deep in a hole somewhere that like, it's something so big that I like completely dissociated (laughs) from it. And she's like, no. And like, let's stop going and digging for it. Let's yeah, start, yeah, yeah, right. you know, like, let's start looking at how is it showing up for you now? Yes, exactly. And exactly. How can you work with the feelings and the things right now in order to yeah. create a shift with self-compassion? So yeah. it, it wasn't necessary for me, necess- like it wasn't necessary for me to know the exact traumas, but certainly looking at his little T list, I was like, okay, there's potential things may have shown up here and here mm-hmm. and here. And it's not important for me to go and like hash it out and talk right at nauseum about those experiences. Yes. It's just, it was more like, oh, I can recognize that perhaps my nervous system was overwhelmed in these situations. Now it's, you know, my stress, you know, the stress cycles trying to complete the trauma wants to complete the stress cycle. And so it shows up with these triggers. And yeah. it's in recognizing that I've been triggered. Yes. That I can then meet the emotion and yeah. then renegotiate it as Peter Levine says, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that's one of the important points is that it's it's not about um talking mm. about all this stuff. The wisdom of moving trauma and moving the stress cycle through its completion is actually through the body and and through the parts of our brain that are are the non-linear non-language parts often uh and so it i always say the wisdom is in the body like your body knows your body knows yeah I was, uh, so two, two quotes come up to my mind, which is the body keeps the score from yep. Bessel van der Klok, yep. uh, van der Klok, Klok, Vander, van der Klok. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and then Brienne Brown has one, the body keeps the score and always wins, right? Like you can ignore, you can stay busy, you can do all the things. Yeah. And it's actually Gabor Mate that talks about, you know, a lot of dis- ease or illness of no particular like root and we're not really Mm -hmm. sure is often because of a dysregulated nervous system or unresolved trauma that leads to certain behaviors that leads your body to have um, a response and then you get sick and that is the indicator from your body your body is saying no no more whatever it is you're doing stop doing it. Like I'm going to shut this down. No more. Go figure it out. Yeah, totally. Totally. I I've just been reading more about um, what they they're calling neuroplastic pain, which is like how the brain signals for pain 
and some like even GI stuff and the IBS stuff um, and how the brain signals that as a response to stress or trapped emotions. And it's, it's actually the roots are in the brain, not actually in the physiology. A lot of times the tests will come back normal for people on all these different pain syndromes. And I'm exploring this because I'm having a, a back and disc issue. And I'm like, oh, that's so crazy. Like your brain is making the pain more than your body. And so how can I explore, like, what are the emotions that need to be expressed? What, what is, what are these triggers from possible traumatic ex experiences that need to be cycled through and felt and met and seen? Um, and then what does the body need too, right? Cause yeah, there's, right. cause it, although it's it, the messages are coming from the brain, it is right. being felt in the body, in the body. Right. So people will say, people will be like, it's, you know, are you saying it's in my head? No, that's not what we're saying. We're mm -hmm. saying your pain is in the body, right? You, right. Like, there's yeah. physical symptoms, Yeah. but it, things are being modulated by your nervous system and your yes. brain. Right. Exactly. And so yes, you need to listen because your nervous systems, your body's going to tell you, Hey, okay, you have this disc irritation, right? right. There may be some emotions and meaning you've yeah. made of this injury that can either up or down your pain levels or yeah. ability to cope but then there's still the body the body needs to move it needs move. to flush yeah. out circulation and maybe yeah. you need to stretch maybe you yeah. need to do some exercise and so the body's also you know speaking like the body's yeah. always speaking to us right yes exactly yes it's both it's both yeah yeah so Okay. So essentially, you know, our, the impact on our life is that, you know, if we don't recognize or aren't aware, or maybe we are aware and haven't sort of resolved these things, really, they, they just keep going. Like they keep going until they are work, work through in some shape or form. Yeah. Yep. They keep going and particularly in the parenting, um, you know, paradigm, your, your, your nervous system is the soup that your child has been developed in and then continues to grow in and is very influenced by, um, in their at least first five years. Um, and so the more support you can give to your own nervous system to helping to resolve any triggers and traumas whether it's from the birth event or prior um the more you can show up with that compassion and presence and hopefully patience <laughs> and just you know show up more more lovingly with your children and um, feel just more connection and joy in the experience instead of um, the triggers sort of dictating the way that your parenting experience goes. Do you have any simple or practical tips for dealing with triggers in the moment? Because that's really I mean that's certainly the challenge, right? There's important yeah. work to be done overall to help sure. support your nervous system but then there's like the moments like yeah 
because you're going to have a reaction. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's automatic until yeah. the rewiring has happened. Maybe that reaction decreases over time, but like, what do you do when you're being triggered in that moment? What's something simple? Yeah. Simple. Um, there's a lot of really simple things and actually there are things that kids usually like. So, um, it can be fun to teach them also. So, the first thing is like, notice that you're triggered. Sometimes you're going to notice, sometimes you're not. So say you like snap at your kid or yell at them and you're like, oh, whoa, sorry, didn't mean to do that. You can stop right there and say, oh, I'm that I'm feeling triggered. So first thing, the simplest thing is to just take a deep breath. If you can inhale through your nose and out through your nose slowly, that helps to already start to slow the nervous system down. Um, you can close your eyes. You can tell your child, I need, hold on, I need to take a deep breath. If it's not an emergency, like no one's bleeding or dying, you can, you can always stop whatever's happening. And you can just say, I need, I need to stop. I'm going to take a deep breath. If it's safe, you can close your eyes and take a deep breath. So the breath, just noticing that you're triggered and then taking a deep breath, that is like the simplest, simplest, simplest thing you can do. Then you can just repair it with your kid. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to scream at you, whatever. Um, if you wanna take it a step further and you really want to move the trauma through, see what, what, the, what that trigger wants. Like a great thing is to just you know, shake and move your body a little bit. If you're somewhere you can stand up, just shake your legs out, shake your hands out. Kids love to wiggle and shake. So, you know, if you just say like, mama's got to shake that off, it's that can really move that energy, especially if it's like anger, if you're getting like agitated. Um, if you need to breathe, just stop and breathe. Have your kids breathe too likely they need to breathe also and slow down if they're getting you all ramped up like the energy of the family is probably a little dysregulated and so stopping and having them breathe um another thing that really helps the vagus nerve regulate is singing or humming so you know after you've taken that deep breath if there's a song you can sing um, that's like a family song or even just humming. That's another wonderful way to just shift that energy. So these are just quick things that are very um, reachable in the moment. Um, you don't have to be in some session with a professional to do these. Um, but it does take some practice to be aware and to catch yourself. Um, and so that's just the first step. And, you know, it's not that you're not going to get triggered because you will. It's what you do with the trigger that it builds the strength and the resilience and allows the trigger to move through. Absolutely. I also think over time, the more you can build in um, like healthy nervous system practices for yourself, whether that's like a restorative yoga or yoga nidra or taking an Epsom salt bath, things that can really teach you how to deeply rest in your body, 
the nervous system recalibrates then and you're going to be more available to be more present with your family if you can build those into your your weekly flow yep and i and i was thinking like as you, as I was saying, kind of, you have your practices, like maybe it's gr- like a grounding. Yeah. Uh, maybe yeah, it's yeah. like an ecstatic free, free flow dancing yes, or like exactly. Tai Chi, Qigong, yeah. something very soothing and yep. simple. Yeah. I, I look at it as like emptying some of the cup. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, and it could be other things like, you know, gratitude journaling and affirmations oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and, you know, like there's other practices there's that so I think access points that you just have to figure out, like, what's your menu? What's your recipe for you for regulating your own nervous system? For some people, it's like knitting or, you know, doing those coloring pages is super relaxing and meditative. Um, for some people it's running. Like I have a number of friends where running is their way that they just feel so much more calm and grounded after getting a good run in. So you really have, there's, we are, we are lucky. We have so many different ways to regulate our nervous systems, but you just need to be aware of consciously doing it every day. And, you know, if you're really stressed out and agitated, maybe running isn't the thing for you. Maybe you do need to take that soothing bath. You know, if you're super like lethargic and stuff, maybe taking that soothing bath isn't what you need and you need to run. (laughs) So, you know, you also kind of have to play with where you are in your nervous system, in your, in your triggering to, to match what what is needed. Absolutely. And And play with it. I mean, all of these things are fun and bring more joy and connection to your life. So it's, it, it's funny because healing trauma, it doesn't actually have to be that hard or that heavy. Um, but you do have to do it. (laughs) You have to be present for it. And, And the other piece, you know, that I think has been instrumental in my practice is, like not just going through the motions. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you, you know, I'm going to go for this run and you've just like completely checked out, right. You're, you're in the run in body, but yeah, like but also like, not in mind. What happened? <laughs> right. So it's really about bringing that, that awareness to like, you know, you're what, you know, as you're running, you're kind of looking and you're yes. paying attention to nature and maybe, yeah you know, for a couple moments, you're paying attention to the way that your feet are kind of hitting the ground and how that makes your body feel as you're moving through this experience versus like, I'm going to run and go through my 15 to do checklist of what I'm going to hit the next moment I'm going to get home. It doesn't really allow for the presence and the embodiment piece of, of the activity. So I just wanted to kind of add that in because, you know, I've that. I've certainly had my moments where I'm like, yeah, but I'm doing my gratitude journal every single day and I don't feel any better. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I say that like laugh- checking it off on the list than <laughs> and, uh, actually being like present. And, and then like, I think when stuff like that is happening, there's like more to mine. Like there's like, there's some, there's something there that is not having you to connect to the positive thing you're trying to do. So like, 
you know, that's, yeah, what's that about? And also maybe that's an opportunity that you do need some sort of professional support or even just peer support, like connecting with a trusted friend or mentor or, you know, family member that you can really be vulnerable with. hundred percent. Yes, yeah. there are practices you can do on your own, and there are certain practices that are really helpful when facilitated yeah. by somebody who can help you move through. Because, I mean, you know, you can do these practices on your own, but it's kind of, you know, like you're still having a conversation with your own self and your own mind. You're still, Correct. right? Um, yeah. So I have found it very beneficial to have somebody as um, like a mirror yeah. Or a soundboard so mm-hmm. that like, yeah, it, it just gives you some new information that you may not have seen. And of course, if you're in the midst of hyper arousal or an aroused state where you're protective, yeah, you know, your, your vision becomes laser focused. So your periphery, right. right? So your ability yep. to think away from the like one thing is more challenged. Yes. So you got to kind of get yourself centered and ground and create a sense of safety. And then you start to see things more clearly. Correct. Yeah. If you don't feel the safety doing the practices by yourself, then that's a big indicator that you need support. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about healing ceremonies and like what that's, how does that fit into reclaiming birth? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I studied with a woman in Berkeley um, who taught me a system of using ceremony and ritual for uh, healing uh, difficult birth experiences. Uh, the ceremonies and rituals are very universal. So there, um, there is a woman, she's passed now, named Angelus Arian. And she studied, uh, she was a cultural anthropologist who studied ceremony throughout world cultures. So all over different continents and found these universal principles that were woven into almost every culture's ceremonies. And um, she synthesized all that work. And so that was um, how Gina taught me. And um, what we find with the ceremony, it's, it connects you to like a greater sense of, of the world, whether you're just connecting with nature or you actually have spiritual um, beliefs that you want to bring in and connect with. Um, the ritual and the ceremony brings you into this place of looking at what happened with more wonder and kind of exploring the mystery of it. And so oftentimes, you know, you can do the trauma remediation work and work on the things that you know you need to work on. In the ceremony, it tends to bring things to the surface that you're like, oh, I didn't even see that. You can get perspective on the story that is broader, a broader context for your life, um, it really helps to illustrate the strengths that, that you have, um, the challenges that you met and faced. Um, it helps you 
to really cultivate um, a stronger sense of the strength within yourself, whether that's like, wow, I showed up with a lot of compassion or no, I was really strong and used my voice in that challenging moment or wow, I just really needed to surrender to have that happen, to have the birth unfold. Um, whatever the things are, um, people also make connections with like the story of their families um, and make a lot of like ancestral connections during the ceremony. So it's really, it's really cool process that um, it's, again, getting out of that non-linear part of our brain and the more creative, imaginative parts of the brain. And um, yeah, it's so interesting. Something different comes up for every person. There's always surprises. It's, it's really touching and moving um, what, what people receive um, from going through those ceremonies and rituals. And the we have a lot of ceremony and ritual in our culture. It's just, it's really gotten focused on external, um, external expressions like a baby shower. Oh, you buy a bunch of baby toys, baby gear, baby clothes. Um, weddings are, you know, all about the reception and the party. Um, but a lot of times we miss the opportunity for the, to, the deeper meaning and to strengthen what you need to go into the next part and next phase of your life. And so that's what the ceremony seeks to do is help to make sense of what happened during the birth and really, yeah, bring you deeper meaning. And this is done like in community. Yeah, we do them in circles. I, we, we do them both. We, um, so um, the Reclaim Your Birth live circle is um, a process where we go through, we meet as a small group and we learn some of the trauma remediation and then we do the ceremony together in circle. And then um, there's an integration celebration piece at the end. Um, and then I can also do them and I have done them one-on-one -on -one with people or with a, a couple or, um, you know, people from one family, that kind of thing. So it's, it's different depending, you know, whether you do it in a circle of women or in just individually, but it's powerful both ways. Wonderful. And you also have uh, an online course. Can you yeah. talk to us about that? Yeah, it's coming out this summer. Um, I'm still putting the uh, finishing touches on it, but it's going to be basically a DIY course. So self-guided, self-led, um, it will take you through all the steps of learning, um, like we've been talking about some of the practical ways to support yourself as a mom when you get triggered um, and when to seek support. Then um, there's a whole ritual and ceremony that you can take yourself through. It's wonderful to team up with maybe a girlfriend or someone um, and do it together, um, but it's all self-guided. There's a number of different meditations and guided journeys and guided visualizations, and then you can just access them and do them at your own pace, at your own speed. 
Um, I know as moms, it can be hard to prioritize and fit in this stuff. So I wanted to make it as accessible as possible. Um, so, you know, setting aside an hour or so a week to do this work, maybe a couple hours, like an afternoon to do the ritual is wonderful way to honor, um, honor the journey you've been on. Absolutely. And I, and I would say the, you know, the benefits and the payout from like prioritizing and taking the time to do this is like lifetime. There, there is no, oh, yeah. you couldn't put a price tag on it no. because you're, you're, you're changing the trajectory of yeah. your nervous system of your life. And in fact, your health, because yes. we know that unresolved trauma left in the body is it always wins. Right. So, yes. So we want to make sure that it's not just like, oh, I just want to be a better, you know, I just want to like not yell all the time, right? Yeah, it's, right. It's deeper, you, you know, you're creating this deeper felt sense of like, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I will be yeah. okay. I can yeah. feel the things and be okay. And I'm right. going to learn. And then I'm going to, you know, pass down these practices. Cause how often do you hear from people? Well, nobody, you know, and I hear this often too. And I would say it, I've said it myself. No one's ever taught us how to deal with our stress. It's true. Not right. in a healthy way. Right. Right. <laughs> so we have so, lots of healthy, unhealthy ways look at all the addictions to everything. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, you know, and those are solutions because right. we don't have, a, we don't know about the other resources that we can access in order to help us move through these uncomfortable sensations, experiences. So there's other ways to deal with things versus sort of the more, um, you know, not great long-term yes. strategies, right? Right, exactly. So your course is going to be coming out a little bit later. It's not quite ready, but, um, you know, where can people find you and follow you learn about this program or if they're interested in your ceremony stuff, like where is the info? Where do they go? Yeah. So, um, my website is called inner wisdom, motherhood.com. Um, I'm at the same, um, Instagram handle at inner wisdom, motherhood. Um, there you can sign up for my newsletter. I have an ebook that gives you a lot of these tips and strategies that you can start right away. Um, they're fun. They're simple. You can do them with your kids. Some are better to do when you have your own solo time. Um, and this summer I'm working with people one-on-one individually and in the fall I'll be launching more live circle opportunities and um, this hopefully in the next month I will be launching the um, self-guided course so if you sign up you'll hear about that as well so for anybody who's like wait what was that handle again We'll put everything in the show notes, website, social media, so you can uh, easily click through, um, yep. you know, sign up, follow on, on Instagram, and there you will be led to and informed of when these things become, become live. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a wonderful conversation. I love talking about this stuff. And I'm so diving deep in my own studies and practices with this. It's just so nice to like, 
chat with somebody and speak the same language and like get really excited and hopefully it makes sense to everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's been a pleasure chatting today. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been really, really wonderful to be here. And if, and we want to thank our listeners for joining us in. We encourage you to subscribe because, you know, every week we have really awesome guests coming in, talking about all kinds of topics. And of course, share this podcast out. You know, maybe somebody's expecting a baby, maybe just recently had a baby. And oftentimes, you know, it may not seem obvious to you that somebody else might be having some struggles, you know, they may not be talking about it. Um, They may be dealing with it in other ways. So you don't know whose life you may impact in a positive way, just by simply sharing a podcast. So true. Moms are really good at hiding (laughs) the struggle. So don't look at her Instagram feed. Yeah, exactly. Right. Check in with her live. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So thanks again. And thanks to our listeners. And we'll connect with everybody on the next podcast. Bye for now. Hey, guys, thanks for hanging out. So as I mentioned at the beginning, we have recently released a free mini training called How to Work with Labor Pain to Have a Positive Birth Experience. And in this mini training, I take you through what pain is, how labor pain is different than like an acute ankle sprain type of pain. I talk about the three different ways that you can work with pain. And then at the end, I actually teach three different ways that you can work with labor pain to have a more positive birth experience. If you would like to access this free mini training, you can go to courses.ecophysio.com forward slash mini training, or you can look in the description of today's podcast episode At the end of the description, a link will be there for you to get the free mini training. Hope to connect with you there. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.